Here I have uh, my guest. Um, I haven't had him in a while. Introduce, introduce yourself. Stephen James, uh, psychologist and astrophysicist extraordinaire. Oh, absolutely. Here we want to talk about like some uh, a concept I had my in my mind concerning uh, race relations in America. I call it uh, America the dream versus America the reality. For the most part, it seems like when someone likes to you know take it a minority, they mention. Um, you know, the problems of America, you know, like say systemic or institutional racism or prejudice, you know, systems like that, you know, the common white person would would actually uh, reject it and they like fight hard to um, silence the minority speaking. I, you know, my take on that is, is that majority white Americans, they, uh, they live in America, the dream, which, you know, get grants the illusion of everything's okay. Everything's just fine. Um, everything's all fair. Yeah. So, uh, we have a minority, they live in America, the reality. And when that reality, you know, it approaches the dream, the dreamers, they, uh, they get, you know, very nihilistic, maybe even violent. When I was talking to uh, Steve a while, you know, a couple of days ago, he mentioned the concept of uh, the identity. And this is what we're going to expound on. So uh, elaborate, uh, Steve, on your part. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is, is in your, in the way you're thinking about it, when you talk about dream, it, it's important to make clear. I don't think you're talking about the American dream, like everyone can achieve and that the people that are have this illusion or this delusion are the ones that have that quote American dream. It's more, it's more the illusion that America is the greatest country on earth. And that's the dream is that somehow the propaganda that's been put out there, or, or rather, as I said the other day, the marketing scheme of America's the greatest country on earth is something that the people that do fit into this dream delusion espouse and, and that they actually really believe that America has to be the greatest country on earth. And if it has to be the greatest country, then if it has to be the greatest country, then all those other systemic problems that you mentioned can't really be there or they can't be that big of a deal. Um, and so just like if someone personally attacks your own identity, your own sense of self, we expand our identity into other things around us. Um, often it's things like religion or it's nationality or, or, or patriotism. Uh, yeah, or it can be uh, it can be anything sports teams. It can be even things like uh, fanboys. This is where fanboys come from. People that like ardently defend their their PS4 versus the Xbox, which are just two products, but yet people seem to attach their identity to a product and then defend it to no end. And it's all this this effect of this identity extension. And when you've got a marketing campaign as well tuned as as the American ideal, it's really hard for a lot of people to overcome that. Mm. How come <clears throat> so you say you, so I like the fact that you frame it as a marketing plan, a marketing scheme. And um, why does that have to exist? Like, um, why, like, why is, the, is that necessary? Someone had to deem it necessary in order to uh, plot and plan it out and make it an actual thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's necessary. There's what 250 plus countries in the world and the other countries in the world don't talk about themselves. They're patriotic. Other countries are very patriotic, but they don't talk about themselves as being we are unequivocally the greatest country in the world and screw all other countries for not being as great as we are. They don't approach their nationality or their patriotism in that way. They're very patriotic, but they don't need that. And if they don't need to feel that they're the greatest country on earth, and neither do we for our sense of patriotism. Yeah. I mean, the way I always saw it is that, you know, when it comes to love, you know, like to truly love, you have to engage in critical thinking, like say, uh, or critical evaluation. Because if you care, you're not going to neglect stuff. Like say, if I have a child and I love my child, 
I'm not going to act like they're perfect, you know, but like if they're, if they're getting bad grades in school, I'll be concerned. They're getting fights and getting in fights in school. I'll be concerned. They're selling drugs in school. I will be concerned. I'm not going to, you know, act like everything's perfect. So couldn't, couldn't technically this line that they can be a form of abuse, you know, like in, like in all essence, could it be possible that these folks who call themselves the Patriots are the least patriotic due to the fact that they don't seek to um, engage in um, reevaluating re systems or how things exist and stuff like that? Well, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's very unpatriotic to, to fall into this this marketing ploy, because just like you were saying, we're talking about identity here and it's extending your identity to the larger system. So just like a person can't a person's not going to grow. A person's not going to improve themselves if they deny everything that's wrong with themselves. Exactly. Right? I can't be wrong. I have to be the greatest person on earth because I'm a horrible narcissist. And so therefore there's nothing to improve upon. There's nothing wrong with me. And when you look at the country in that way, like we're the greatest country on earth, there's nothing to improve. There's nothing to fix. Then you're going to totally stagnate. And in many cases, like you were saying, you might even regress or, or have an abusive situation where it makes things even more destructive. And that's exactly what we see today. The, the whole America's greatest country on earth and this idea of the, the dream delusion actually hurts the ability for America to prosper and grow. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree with that one. Yeah. Um, I just find it really interesting how, how people, um, they tether their identities to it. It's it's almost like, um, <clears throat> you know, what's your thoughts on a civic religion? That's what it seems like. It's a civic religion. Oh, no, it is. I mean, you got to think about this is this is nationalism. There's a fine line between patriotism and nationalism. And when you start getting into nationalistic ideas like this one, you, you, you breach the realm of religion. I mean, what is religion but the wor worshiping of something that you take as sacred a lot of people talk about religion as having to be some metaphysical thing or some being in the sky or a or a cosmic force but it's just the worshiping of something that you say is inherently sacred and that's exactly what you do when you talk about america as infallible right you're you're making it you're, you're creating a deity out of the idea of america yeah, um, I, I, I'm kind of like laughing at myself because a while back ago I was trolling a couple of uh, vegans that uh, that annoy me. And I told them that, um, you know, because a lot of times they're, they're atheists as well. And um, I point out the fact that technically those vegetables is your God, man. You know, is your, if you if you go like some of the requests, like uh, prerequisites for a religion in my mind is um, holding something sacred. That's number one. Um, shaming those shaming outside group religious or thinkers whatnot as number two and number three is proselytizing I might be saying that word wrong but going out and yeah, proselytizing yeah going out to um, recruit others into your religion that's three so and also like you know it's two kind of you know, overlap with three shaming others until they you know do what you say yeah so um you know, jokingly speaking, I was like making fun of a uh, atheist ve vegans because it's like, you know, it's like a religion for you guys. If you think that uh, food is that damn serious. Um, but yeah, though, back one more on the point. Absolutely. What I'm seeing with a lot of people out here is um, is, you know, is creating the forefathers and a certain creating paradigms of the forefathers as if they are sacred as if they are perfect, as, as if they're deities. Um, certain parts of the constitution, then, you know, they act like that's a uh, religious text, you know, like it's infallible, you know, and, uh, and the list goes on. Oh yeah, and then, you know, the angry, um, the angry repressive force across, you know, folks who are like free thinkers or folks are not exactly, you know, they're quote unquote heretics or infidels, so to speak. You have that, and they also have, um, you know, completely trying to, you know, recruit others into their line of thinking, into, into their line of worship, even. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, so. I mean, I, I, would, I, I, would make the, um, I would make the argument that for something to be a religion, 
your second two criteria are not absolutely necessary. It tends to be what happens when people practice it in a very insecure way. If you're insecure with, with your, with your own beliefs and your own faith, then you need other people to believe what you believe. So you'll shame them and you'll proselytize. But if you're secure in yourself, like same thing, if I'm secure in my masculinity, I don't give a crap if someone else is super feminine, it doesn't affect me. You know, I don't need them to be more manly. I don't need to shame them. I don't need to treat them like crap. Right. Just True. because I can, I can wear a pink shirt and, and go dance ballet. And I still feel like a man, like I'm not, I'm very stable, but when your identity is not on stable ground, that's when you feel that need to shame and proselytize. And that's exactly what you see with the people in, in when you talk about the nationalistic American identity too, is that they need, they're, they're so insecure in their own patriotism that they need to shame people that express it in a different way. They need to proselytize and, and demonize those that don't see it in the same way. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I think, uh, I find it really interesting though, man. Um, you know, another thing, I, another thing I stumbled across was, uh, there's this uh, video of this guy, you know, I guess he's like a Nazi sympathizer or something like that. Or, you know, he's one of those uh, outright trolls, trolling a bunch of protesters, holding a sign talking about free speech. And, you know, you have these, um, I guess they're, they're anti-fascist types. They're like yelling at him and stuff like that. And um, the guy, you know, they had a guy who was like, you know, you know, he's kind of like taking the Nazi dude's side. You know, it's a white dude, he's taking Nazi dude's side. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, okay, on a superficial basis, they're yelling at this Nazi dude, but but you have to look at it in context here. It's you know, it's it's a Nazi. You know, Nazis are not nice. It's it's it really bothers me how how people they obfuscate the matter in between those who wish to subtract from humanity versus those who want to fight for humanity. You know. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that? Like, you know, where a person will see, you know, uh, and this is a tactic that they use, the outright um, folks use. They'll actually go to a protest and with the um, intent on picking a fight. And then they want to look like they're the, make it look like they're the victims. What's your thoughts on this? Have you, have you observed the same thing? Uh, I think we should start, let's, let's make sure we don't call them alt-right and just call them neo-Nazis. All right, let's just make sure that we're clear on our terminology here. All right, yeah. you can't rebrand something like that, and you shouldn't. Um, so, so uh, with the neo Nazis, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a tactic to pull people into your group. Um, it's, it's that tribalistic mentality of, of making yourself feel good by shaming others, making my group feel better. And one of the best ways to do that is to to create a narrative, and it is just a narrative that says that your group is the one that's being victimized. You're the one that's who's who's losing their power, or you're the one that's becoming lower on on the scale. Which is true to a certain extent when you're talking about neo Nazis because they no longer have cultural hegemony. They have to share the world with other people, which is very scary for them. And to them, that's a very dangerous thing. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I, I sat there and I was talking to the boy, his homeboy, his name is Kevin. I'm like, hey, Kevin, you're the type of guy that will see like maybe a freeze frame photo of, you know, a bunch of Jews in a concentration camp and they're like overtaking the camp and they're attacking the like the Nazis and stuff like that. And there's a photo of a Nazi in stark fear of his life, you know, totally frightened, the Jews looking hyper-aggressive and angry, <clears throat> angry at him. You would take the Nazi side. He was like, well, I'm like, yeah, that, that, that would be you. This, this is what you're doing right now. It's like, you know, there's people out there that look at stuff with, with no context and, um, and then decide from there. I don't get it. Like, how's that possible? You know, it's so this is one of the things and um, I think I brought this up before on the show. There's a great TED talk uh, by a guy named John, a psychologist by Jonathan Haidt, and he talks about the moral roots of liberals and conservatives. Um, and one of the things that that tends to 
be attributed with conservatism that isn't liberalism or, or people that think in those manners is adherence to authority and, and loyalty to authority. That a moral imperative of most conservatives is that you have to respect and honor the authority and listen to them as a moral principle. And so it tends to lead to an easier that conservatives tend to be more easily manipulated than others because they're more willing to believe in authority. No, they're more willing to believe in authority figure. Uh, and it's not because they're less intelligent, but it's because that this moral paradigm that they've wrapped around, which is that, that you have to have loyalty and, and kind of an unquestioning faith in leadership, in certain <clears throat> leaderships. Um, and particularly those that, that uh, conform to your group's ideology. Um, and so the context doesn't get brought into a lot of these situations because they're more willing to just accept the narrative that's put forward without really researching any context or questioning the motives of the people giving them the narrative. Hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing that, uh, like on the same um, video, the same um, situation, you know, one guy was like, and the same dude was like, this will make, make him want to be a Nazi even more. And it's it like, so I get fuming pissed when people do that. Um, you know, it's, this is similar to the, okay, now folks want to be racist. You know, now, now you're going to make more racist if you protest or you make more racist if you uh, say something or, you know, um, call folks out. That really pisses me off because at that point, you know, they're engaging in victim blaming behavior. You know, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Am I am I correct in, in how how that frustrates me? Uh, can you expound a little more? Like what? All right. How? <clears throat> like, uh, you know, the guy, you know, is, you know, you have the anti-fascist protesters, mm -hmm. anti-Nazi protesters protesting the Nazi guy. And um, the guy was like, you know, this make they make him want to be a, a Nazi even more. Like this, you know, justifies Nazism, you know, by, um, by people protesting Nazis. It makes you want to be more of a Nazi. Yeah. You know, and, and I've seen the same argument with um, with uh, like Richard Spencer getting punched in the face um, when folks call out um, racism. And I was like, now, you know, um, now you're going to make more racist or now you're going to make, you know, more Nazis or something. Then it's like. That's not that's not how that works. The person is going to be a Nazi because they want to be a Nazi, not because a protest took place. And now they're now they're turning to the dark side. That's not how it happens. It's not like it's not like uh, Star Wars one, two, three, you know, where it's like a radical, like an immediate shift to the dark side. That's not how this works. It's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I think there's any number of motivations that could go into a statement like that, uh, that you could probably walk through, you know, for, for example, uh, it could just be a, a way to shut down a conversation or, or a way to, to say that the thing that's being protested is bad. You don't like, you don't like the thing that's being protested for whatever reason. So you use that as a way to shut down the conversation that the protest was starting to, or deflect away from the conversation that the protest was meant to start. Right. Or it, if they really actually believe that it's going to create more, it's, it's, it's weird, just such a strange, it? it's such a strange <laughs> position to take that it would create more, more of the thing just because you process it, protest it. I feel it's just a way to deflect, to deflect away from the actual issue at hand. I agree. That's, I agree. Yeah. 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 It kind of blows me like, uh, you know, when, when like, say there's a, um, a white activist, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of like anti-racist, but they, they kind of say something very racist. Like they use the threat of racism to in an argument, you know, like, um, Hey, what you're doing is a bit problematic or what you're doing is kind of jacked up. I might want to watch yourself or fix that, you know? And, uh, you know, and they're like, well, you should be, you should appreciate my efforts because I mean, I could, I, I mean, I could be a racist, you know, I could be racist, a total racist about this. And it's like, holy crap, this person's using the threat of racism 
that doesn't sound like that that doesn't sound like using the threat of racism that just sounds like uh uh the white the white savior complex manifesting itself like you know yeah. i'm such a i'm such a good non-racist white person you should be thankful that i'm helping you kind of attitude mm-hmm. this is funny to me man Oh man! Yeah. Oh yes. Also, also up on on the uh, chopping block. Um, a while back ago, Berkeley. I think it was Berkeley or or Stanford. One of those spots. You know, they um, they prevented um, they stopped Ann Coulter from speaking or something like that. Mm-hmm. You heard about that? Yeah. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? Well, so okay, so Berkeley Berkeley did not stop Ann Coulter from speaking. They they had to reschedule her. If I remember, if I remember the story, right, they had to reschedule her for another time, but it would have, but the time that they needed to reschedule, there wouldn't have been many students on campus at that time. It was literally just a scheduling conflict. Uh, but Ann Coulter's just a kind of a media whore that wants to just kind of capitalize as much attention. It's, it's questionable whether or not she actually believes the stuff she believes because she says such outrageous things. It's just like, you know, the, the radio shock jocks from the nineties, they're just trying to get people's attention. Um, yeah. So she used the opportunity to, to kind of say, Oh, look at liberal Berkeley shutting us down again. And I don't, if I remember the story, there was no time when Berkeley said, you can't come and speak here. Right. At least the at least the institution said that there were people that were protesting, but the institution was going to allow as they should. It's a it's a university. If there's a if there's a person that's invited to speak by whatever students are there. Right. That person should be able to come there and speak. I'm thoroughly against like shutting down freedom of speech, even by crazies at a a university. Like that's what that's what a university is for. Mm. For different ideas, even if they're crazy ideas. I'll definitely shut her down. I'm definitely, but I'm a consequentialist. So I'm like, you know, ends justify the means. Ends just, they, they, the ends justify the means in this case. So yeah, like uh, not needed. I think that um, like part of my logic on this is that a lot of what she's going to say has already been said. It's already, it's already known. It's already like, we got it. Like, you know, her stance is, is mainstream is mainstream thought is mainstream white supremacist thought so there's no need to reiterate no need to show up yeah i'm like you know shut that you know subtracting from others shut that yeah, noise down but but that that's the point it is everything that's already been said before uh and there's nothing really interesting and let the two people that invited her come and speak to the three other people that are going to show up and there'll be five people in the audience and so, so what? Give her, give her an auditorium and let the five people come in and listen to her, right? It's, you, but you shouldn't, you can't, arbit, you shouldn't arbitrarily make that decision to, to shut someone out. Not because I agree with Ann Coulter, just because. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> that, 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 that invites, that invites too much um, administrative judgment on what is allowed and not allowed at a university. If the students invite her now, if she was like, "Hey, I want to come and speak at Berkeley. Nobody invited me." Well, then, yeah, no, you can't come and speak. But if there's actually a student organization that wants you to come, I don't know why, but then there's no harm because it's going to be those five people sitting in the audience, and then you're going to have ten thousand people out in the front protesting. Okay, yeah, I mean, I can kind of see, but me, I'm like, if I'm, 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 if I'm the decision maker. I'm like, nope, we already got you. You got the president, you got you got the president, you got Congress, you got Senate, you're good. You know, no need to no need to hear you uh hear what you have to say because there's like Ann Hathaway or Kelly Ann Conway. Poor Ann Hathaway. I did not mean to do that to you. <laughs> yeah. But um Kelly Ann Conway, you know, who's really good at conning her way into CNN and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, you have these folks who are more than ready to okay. So there's beliefs. See, okay, so so CNN and and the 
the corporate media type peoples, they, they're a different story because that's a different environment. Here's a platform specifically designed to inform the public or supposedly supposed to inform the public on current matters. And when you put someone, when you, when you allow a discussion on CNN or MSNBC or Fox, where you take someone that's arguing with facts and data and evidence and actual issues and knowledge, and you put someone up there like Ann Coulter, who's just got a bunch of crazy conspiracy theories with no backing on them whatsoever. Well, now you're, you're as a, as a news organization that broadcasts to the public, you are now legitimizing Ann Coulter as a valid way of seeing the world. And I think that's a really big problem, which is why she gets invited to these student organizations, but because these new news media will never fall up and be like, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. Do you have any evidence to back that up with whatsoever? They don't follow up with that question or they don't say like, oh, you know what? See that. That's that's a total BS lie because in 2012, this because of this, the, the corporate media take a stance of not objectivity, but neutrality. Yeah, false neutrality, which just legitim- legitimize it. It's like taking, you know, a, 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 a geologist and putting up with some random dude from Arkansas who's part of the Flat Earth Society and saying, he says it's flat. The geologist says it's round. Who knows? But they both think two different things so we can have the debate. And that's what they do with everything now. You know, this uh, the climate change stuff too. This scientist and the other 97% of scientists think that think that there's a big problem. But but this, yeah. uh, this oil guy over here thinks there's not. <laughs> Who's to know? The one with the evidence and the data probably knows better. Yeah, the person who's actually like um, into studying that craft or field. Yeah. Um, One time, you know, um, one time on Facebook, I uh, a couple of months ago, I think it was like March or so. I um, I was like, hold on, hold up, you know, it's like tons of activists and stuff like that. Like, like you know, I'm like in Arizona now. I'm starting to get meet a lot of uh, the water folks, the uh, dapple folks, you know, Native American types. And um, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you mean to tell me there's still folks who don't think that we landed a man on the moon? You know, we're about to, we're about to land stuff on the Mars. We're about to have commercial space travel. You mean to tell me there's folks who still think that we have not placed a man on the moon? And there's like so many folks who stepped up and they're like, not, nah, you know, uh-uh. And those are like, you know, well, not N- NASA lies, NASA this, NASA that. They're, and I'm like, but they're, of course, they're going to be the one. I mean, of course, folks may lie. Government entities lie. I, I get that. But they're the ones who study this stuff and attempt to make to engage these things. They will know best about space travel in America. So at that point, I was like, so at, at which like what? You know, what's good? What's good for evidence if you don't? trust the professionals to actually and get that that is closest to the information concerning you know like like say um you know uh, johnny silvercloud went to his mom's house you know who says who johnny silvercloud well you know he's johnny silvercloud blah 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 of course he'll lie but it's like but i would go to my mom i mean it's me i have business going to my mom's house of course why would i it's like why lie when i actually do it you know, I have to reason. Yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the psychology of people that, that buy into conspiracy theories is is a fascinating topic, and it's really confusing as to how <laughs> how they actually are able to, to buy into it. But but to everybody listening, I just want to emphasize: conspiracy theories are not real. Cover-ups sometimes happen. We see that going on right now with the government and attempts for cover-up, but large-scale conspiracies that involve, in the case of the moon tens of thousands of people, many of which are professional scientists who care about data and evidence and not about political strategizing and hiding things, right? That it's practically impossible. That, that yeah. includes the military. You and I are both in the military, we both uh, have or had clearances, right? There's no, there's no conspiracy. Like there's classified stuff, but it's not a conspiracy. There's nobody secretly doing these things on a massive scale. Just yeah. not a thing because the government leaks, leaks like a rusty can, right? 
you can't hide things. Somebody's going to speak, especially if it's amoral. If it's amoral, someone's going to speak out. And the more people that know, the more chance there is someone's going to speak out. Yeah, I, uh, I played as one exercise, you know, because um, I, I figure that anything can be denied. And this is pretty much how conspiracy, conspiracy theorists operate. I was like, France does not exist. Prove me wrong. And um, folks are like, what about the location? I'm like, it's made up. It's like a bunch of folks who are there. The government placed them there in these mock villages and houses. So they're like, well, the French language totally made up. It's not really French, it's something else. You know, it's like, it's, you can deny yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. You can bullshit your way out of anything. You can say France or Brazil or, uh, you know, a whole nation does not exist. This is how yeah. flat earthers, you know, and, you know, moon deniers or what you want to call those folks, you know, that's how they exist, man. And, and it cracks me up because it's, yeah, I think, it's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. One of the tactics that, that I see conspiracy theorists people take is they'll take uh facts they'll take legitimate facts and, and data from very different areas and and come up with very complex theories to explain these different these different areas of of, of data or, or evidence that really can be explained straightforward with the normal explanation but they'll come up with these really detailed things so one of the things with conspiracy theorists is they have to imply a lot of interpretation and assumptions into explaining very small pieces of data. When, when, when your theory outweighs the amount of data that's in the theory, you probably have a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I noticed that conspiracy theorists, they, um, they leave it at the question, the fact that a question exists and that question is the answer. They're not really, cons- they're like a conspiracy theorist is not really interested in finding an answer or a conclusion they want to more so keep the conspiracy alive that is more important than anything they're not looking for conclusions that's the thing that really uh cracks me up the most not really like look at them like really assess that situation at hand you know Mm -hmm. another thing they'll do is um they'll pull like known conspiracies and then like the fact that this conspiracy exists is the reason why this right here exists you know, um, like, say, for example, it'll be like, say, maybe Obama's birth certificate. Then they'll say the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. And it's like, well, yeah, we do know that that was a conspiracy, you know, conspiracy. But what does what does that have to do? Well, OK, a better one. Um, anti-vaxxers, you know, and they'll say Tuskegee uh, syphilis uh, injection stuff. But they took a bunch of black folks and and inject them to, with uh, syphilis and sat there and watched what happened, you know. Um, they'll say, well, anti, I don't vaccines because of this. And it's like, did you know that everybody that was a part of that experiment is dead right now? Um, the president is different. The government is different. Every, like, <laughs> there's no one alive that was, that had interest in doing that alive now. You know, there's no reason that's, there's no reason for that. You know, um, and then on top of that, they're soldiers. You're not a soldier, you're not in the military. I mean, the biggest the most logical connection to say, um, you know, injections would be the anthrax or uh, the anthrax uh, injections which military focus get or, um, or more, or more, uh, more ominous is that a uh, malaria pill that soldiers get when they go to Afghanistan or Iraq, you know, those that, that I can see that I can see the paranoia surrounding that. It's like malaria pill. Like, for what? And it's like, you must take this pill. And it's like, uh, you know, I never, I ain't, I don't remember taking a pill each goddamn day. But anyway, um, that makes sense. But the common, a common vaccine. No, that's not a, there's not a connection. Makes no sense. But, yeah. It, you know, in that case, you get that same thing, that propping up of an, of an illegitimate position, right? That, that having, in, in media and I, I think social media is a big problem with this too is because if you're an anti-vaxxer then you've got all this opportunity to talk with other anti-vaxxers and it just by the delusion of talking with people that agree with you you end up legitimizing an illegitimate position right <laughs> and then you actually watch a news story where cnn will have someone on tv that, that advocates for anti-vax and it legitimizes that position when there's zero evidence to suggest that that it's dangerous, <laughs> right? So, so. 
Yeah, uh, that false neutrality thing, man, it really irks me because when um, Trump became a reality, um, like a genuine candidate and stuff like that, um, CNN and uh, liberal media, folks call them liberal. Um, it's not really, but mm-hmm. they went full swing with the false, uh, false neutrality thing where you have someone who's like a dingbat and their job is to con their way through any argument or debate with any with no substance. And they're there and, and, and they're paid like CNN pays Kellyanne Conway, um, these other white guys, I forgot their names to arrive on the scene. They get a paycheck for CNN for arriving to, to bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not fair to the public and, and it's wrong. No, I mean, but the, you just have to stop watching it. You know, the, yeah, pro- the problem is, is that you, you have to educate the people that are still watching those cable news shows have to educate them to not but unfortunately i think what the average age of a fox news viewer is 72 the average age of a cnn viewer is 68 right they've been watching television news their entire life they don't know where else to get news from so oh yeah but teaching news has changed ever since they've been you know coming up yeah but they don't in general they don't sense i see this with you know in my own now this is just anecdotal from my own family, but I see it with my own family trying to explain to them how they're, how the news is being, it's not, it's not fake news the way that, the way that Trump tries to spin it, that they just make everything up and tell things, but it is, it is that false neutrality and and a certain narrative that gets pushed and a bias and how that really, they're trying to shape your thoughts to think a particular way and not just give you not give you all the facts and information and how that's really bad. And I cannot for the life of me get that through to a lot of my older family at all. Cause they'll turn right back around and start watching it again and then go, can you believe how horrible this is? Well, I'm just like, well, you're just espousing the, the narrative that's been given to you. <laughs> you're not, you don't even have half of the information. So teaching them how to research and, and find things legitimately online is is a difficult thing for older people yeah. so it might just be it might just be that we got to wait for a few more funerals before cnn goes away damn i've uh what's your thoughts on um the firing of uh comey you know the fbi lead uh it was a brilliantly stupid move on trump's part and should not be shocking at all uh, but i think he's <laughs> it, it appears at least that he started the cascade this is just going to cascade on him and just explode. You think he, so? just drew, he drew so much attention to this investigation. But the one way that he did it was his idea, because he is this stupid, right? Is that if I get rid of Comey, then the investigation goes away and everybody's happy. I think, I think in his mind, he legitimately thought that's what would happen, right? And all he did in this was... The 36,000 other FBI agents that are in the FBI, or however many there are, were like, this is bullshit. Uh, And he effectively started a war with the FBI. And out of those 30-odd-some thousand agents versus the brilliance of Trump, I'm I'm betting on the FBI. Not Not that I'm a total fan of the FBI overall, but, you know, they have a brotherhood. And, yeah, you know, he attacked that. So I think they're going to turn around and come after him. Yeah. The thing I don't, I don't like how Donald Trump has a problem with the intelligence community as a whole, like, you know, for some strange reason, well, cause he's a pathological narcissist, but no, he, he wants, he wants everybody to bow down to at his feet, you know, and um, the intelligence community does not work that way. You know, you don't make intelligence. You can't make a cave happen. Like, oh, this terrorist is hiding in a cave. Why? Because I say so. You know, that's not how that works. You know. But that's what that's what Trump wants. Yeah. And um, folks are, or at least should be, bound to the Constitution, not what president is in charge. President Obama understood that, and um, everybody worked diligently under, well, for the most part, diligently under him because he understood that. Like, he didn't. He did not ask or demand them, you know. Uh, I've Before this, I've never heard of any president saying, 
if you do, literally if you do not swear loyal to me loyalty to me right now you are going to be fired i've never heard of a president doing that like swear loyalty <laughs> to me personally i mean true bush not, not, not do that i mean no who, no who not even a president could you imagine if like if like your boss right in the military or like what if you're a car salesman and your manager was like at this car dealership, you will swear loyalty to me as your boss and me alone, or you're not gonna have this car dealer job anymore. It's absurd. What if it's you're a, a dental assistant? You know, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> you know. it's not a thing adults do. Like, but again, it's not a thing adults do, so we shouldn't be surprised that Trump did it. How, you know, is how, how dumb is America to, um, elect this guy. I mean, he was properly elected. You know, he secured the uh, electoral college, the electoral points proper to enable him to become president. Um, yeah. I, How dumb are we as, as Americans? Well, so, I mean, I don't know that it's a segment of how Trump got elected is stupid people, right? A portion of it, a portion of it's racist. Right. A portion of it's stupid people. And, and I do think there is some. Yeah. Yeah. I think they overlap a lot. But and I think there is some portion. I don't know. I, there's, I don't think there's a way to even know this. There is some portion out there that was just like he's not a bureaucrat. So I'll take it. And they prioritized. And th I think this is sad. They prioritized. He's not a bureaucrat over all of his racist comments and felt that the fact that he wasn't another politician was reason enough even though he had said all the racist crap right which is, which is absurd which is absurd but i think that that's what happened in a lot i talked to a lot of folks met a lot of folks in the inauguration day man like a socialist guy white dude him handing out papers you know good for him and he he was really adamant on the issue of trump was economics was was a uh, economic um anxiety me, I'm like, it's, it's, it was racism was the biggest reason why mm -hmm. he um, was elected because the way I see it, you know, Bernie Sanders was, was essentially saying the same thing Trump was minus the racism and xenophobias and grabbing them by the pussy nonsense. You know, um, Bernie Sanders also, he, he was looking dead, dead at the, at the economic portions of the problems of America, like without question, you know, yeah, so. I don't, I don't so, get the notion that it was an economic issue because if it was, well, you know, their folks would have like all those folks would have been Bernie Sanders voters, not Trump voters. Well, you know? so, but there's, there's the, uh, there's the other piece of it, right. That, that I, I think adds the complexity is that Bernie Sanders wasn't allowed to run in the, in the actual presidential election. He was, he was shut out by tampering and, and the, and then favoring Hillary Clinton to make yeah, sure Hillary Clinton got in. Yeah. Yeah. Even the, you know, that he was, Bernie Sanders was well-liked by Republicans also. It's just that the Republicans weren't going to vote that way. And they've shown repeatedly, even to this day, that had Bernie Sanders have run, he would have won by a significant margin. Yeah. Against Trump, because he would have shut Trump down. And in a lot of ways, and there is a lot of truth to statement that to say that Trump didn't win the election, the Democrats lost the election by demanding that they put in Hillary Clinton, a person who was a, a politician and bureaucrat to which nobody wanted. Everybody hates her. The left hates her, the right hates her, the center hates her. So it's not, she lost the election. Trump was, and still is the, the, the most, disliked candidate in American history. And yet, even against the most disliked candidate in American history, <laughs> they managed to choose a person to run against him that they hated equally as much Yeah, as Trump. And so when you say about the economic anxiety thing, I do think there was a portion of the economic anxiety, but people were not given a choice of a decent candidate. At all, yeah, we weren't given a proper yeah. choice. That yeah. is ever so yeah. true. Now, now, what I see now, though, is that if it was, if there was the economic anxiety thing, and, and they were voting for Trump because of his 
all those empty promises about how he's going to stop all the corruption and drain the swamp and do all this. Well, he violated every one of those promises and made it significantly worse and is screwing over the, the working class people. And yet the majority of his voters still 100% support him no matter what he does in a fanatical deified religious way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I noticed that too. Um, you have anybody in your workplace that, uh, that's kind of like unwavering, like all about Trump or something like that. Don't you know, no, I, I, I work in Hawaii at a Buddhist school devoted to peace. So I, I do not, we, I am not surrounded at all with anybody that thinks that Trump espouses anything but hate. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of true though. What he, you know, he, he espouses what he espouses. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, it's weird because folks are like so against Hillary, so against Hillary. And I understand that, but wow, though, she wouldn't, she had been, Maybe not not a total totally crap job president, but she was just simply not liked. But it's possible to have bosses you don't like. I mean, they might still do a relatively good job. I mean, better than Trump. So you think he's going to get impeached? Yeah, yeah. I I made a bet with somebody yesterday that I said uh, three months. Oh, hold on. <laughs> I made a bet with someone last night and I said that I'll bet it's three months before there's a declared impeachment process. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm calling three months. Hmm, three months. I don't know. I don't have, you know, um, you know, of course, you know, there's folks who don't really count like you don't count. You know what I mean? But I don't have faith in white people, man. Like as a collective, I don't. Um, I believe that America, which is for the most part white folks, because you know, yeah, y'all run, run, y'all run this and own it. For like collectively, white folks are going to continue to um, give them a free pass, continue to um, not hold them accountable, and he might, you know, run through his four years. Um, no issue. They maybe even get reelected. He he'll probably ramp up his um, since it worked the first time. He's going like to for reelection. He's going to um, find a scapegoat. Muslims are a pretty easy easy uh, target. He'll do that. Depending on how the the protesting thing goes, and you know, and the uh, you know police brutality, he might actually directly in, in, engage you know black folks you know directly like Jim Crow style. Um, I, I don't really see, I see, you know, cause in politics is, is, is different, you know, in football, if you lose in football, you're watching a whole lot of tapes. You're watching like, you know, how you threw the ball, how they caught the interceptions, you know, um, what went wrong, you know, what went right. And um, why did the other team win? Why did you lose? Then you change things up. You change your playbook. You might have to take the quarterback you know, out of play, replace the quarterback, replace the defensive lineman. You might have to do these things. This is what's how sports op operate. How politics operate, they don't do that. They double down and blame society. They blame, they blame public. You know, um, Hillary Clinton, um, I keep on hearing these, seeing these, these articles saying that you know, um, black folks didn't vote for Clinton the way the same way they did for Obama. And it's like, you know, you know, in a passive aggressive way, they're blaming the election on black people. And why don't we look at it like this? Hillary Clinton didn't entice black folks to vote. Mm -mm. You know, she didn't entice a lot of folks to vote. She didn't entice the young. She didn't entice uh, the uh, Occupy Wall Street folks. She entice uh, was a whole lot of folks that that was left neglected. Um, Bernie sent Bernie's crew, the Bernie followers. I mean, she enticed them to vote at all, but it's not framed that way. You know, it, it's blaming like an, an entity in public versus actually engaging in you know reevaluating and uh, reassessing oneself and what oneself did did wrong. You know, because she could have won if she really wanted to. 
there's places that she didn't show up. Obama was in West Virginia. She wasn't. You know, just it's, it's just it's and then with Trump, you know, the guy who won. You know, Republicans, I believe they're going to just keep on going, going on the ride. Uh, Newt Gingrich, he said something about like, hey, Trump should uh, he should, you know, throw away all the voter, the, all the reporters, period, and just talk on Twitter. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but that's what Newt, Newt, Newt Gingrich yeah. said. No, no, I'm not. You know, I would I agree with you that there's quite a number of, of Republicans who are who are clearly have fascist ideologies. They want they want an authoritarian rule and control of the media. Um and to suppress knowledge. They, they clearly have that agenda in there, but politicians are politicians. And if, like I said, if the FBI actually does, if, if investigations from people that actually do push for it, even if it's self-interestedly motiv- uh, motivated by self-interest with the Democrats, I don't think they really care. I think they just care about getting Trump out because it's politically unwise to keep him in there, not because they care about the country. But, um, but... Oh. Between the FBI and the congressional investigations and assuming if there even was an independent investigation, there will be one way or the another through leaks or through public statements, there will be more facts that come out. And once the public knows what actually happened, the Republicans are going to try to save their own ass and they're going to distance themselves from Trump. You see that left and right right now. People, uh, you got congressmen leaving, con- you got the one congressman was like, yeah, I just got elected, but um, I got to go home. I'm, I got to go. I'm not going to run again. And I'm going to go home like today. See ya. And that was the guy that was in charge of the ethics committee, uh, the ethics oversight committee in Congress last month. Right. Mm-hmm. They're going to start backing away from them. And they already have because they don't want to be caught in the fallout. Not because they give a crap about people or, or anything else, they, but they want to save their own political skin. So as soon as they start backing away from Trump, that's when you know that that he's on his way out. Mm, yeah, well, I hope you're, I hope I'm wrong and you're right because I don't want to see this asshole there. Okay, so if he's impeached, what happens? Um, that, that also means um, Mike Pence is not, not in, right? No, Mike Pence would become the president oh, at that shit. point, unless, unless Mike Pence is implicated in, the, in everything as well. I guess that could happen. So no matter what, I mean, there will be, a Republican asshole in charge until 2020. There's nothing you can do about that. That just is going to be the case because it just goes down the line of succession. But Pence has horrible policies and horrible ideas also, but at least he's not insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not worried that my Pence is going to start a war with Russia or start a war with North Korea randomly uh, for no reason, just because he sends out a, a, a tweet or something, or that he's going to actively attempt to uh, arrest reporters because he doesn't like what they say. Right. Cause I don't, if he continues, he might start doing something like that. I think so too. I think that's, that's the next, uh, next, next, Thing to pull off and i'm and as a photographer photojournalist i have a big problem with that mm-hmm. um yeah though um what's, what else was on the menu what else was something hot and popping back um trump said that he didn't know that you know i'm paraphrasing here he didn't know that it's going to be this difficult to be president remember that one yeah he said i didn't know it was going to be this difficult to be president i didn't know healthcare was so complicated who knew north korea was so complicated <laughs> Said all three of those things. Yeah. Mm, hey, it wasn't tracking North Korea war. Um, what are your thoughts on that, though? I mean, do you think that America would have allowed a woman or a black or, uh, or you know, non-white person pr- as a president to say that? Like, what if President Obama showed up within three, mo- three or four months and said that? I, I, find it, I find it amazing as to what Trump has done to our expectations of the presidency. Right. I don't I don't know that it would certainly certainly in the case of of a, of a black president or a female president, you know, statements of incompetence would have never been accepted and it would have been 
torn apart by everybody. But I, I also think that if Trump had not entered the race, we still would have had a higher expectation of, of a president, right? And that he, even even a white male president would have probably gotten grilled for for being incompetent and saying things like that. But our bars, the bar has been lowered so low for Trump that that if he actually remembers to to put on his pants the right way in the morning, people applaud him. And it's shocking. I don't understand. I, I, I truly, even as a psychologist, do not understand how <laughs> even if people are delusional and think Trump is the greatest thing ever, how you can have zero standards for the president of the United States. Yeah, these like standards are considerably low. Um, yeah. it, it's it, it baffles me. You know, I'm I'm like, <laughs> it really does. I wonder, like, after Trump, after the Trump era, as we call this, I guess. Uh, do you think those standards will still be low? You know, or uh, I think it's all. Makes- I think it's all going to depend on who gets elected in 2020, right? Uh, it's it's not going to be Trump. Guaranteed, it's not going to be Trump. I, I'm I'm like 100% confident it will not be Trump in 2020, even if he makes it that far. Folks were confident it was going to be Trump <laughs> before he was elected president. Before before he was president, does you know as is. But these these draconian things that he's doing that are harming his base are eventually going to come to fruition and they're going to see how much he's screwing them over on a daily basis because um, it's going to hit them in their real life. You know what? You've already seen it in a couple of instances where where spouses are getting deported from Trump voters. People are losing their their social programs that they actually liked, not the social programs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the and and with the healthcare bill passing through, right? Assuming assuming that gets passed through and you knock the 24 million people off healthcare, well, that's going to hurt also, right? So just with the stuff he's doing is actually going to come to fruition practically in people's lives, and they'll be like, wait, he did this to me, and and I don't don't think it's going to there. So whoever's our next president, let me say that, let me say it that way instead. Whoever's the next president is going to depend on if it's another Republican then they've learned that they can have low standards, right? If you can actually get a populist, and I'm not even going to say a Democrat because I just don't trust them either. If you could actually get a a progressive um, populist like Bernie Sanders or like Tulsi Gabbard or someone like that, who the country really, really wants, those are the ones that would win the election if they could get that far, if the Democrats wouldn't screw them over next time, right? they would do everything in their power to restore higher standards, I think. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so, because uh, I think we look I think we're looking stupid in, in, in the face of the world right now. Oh, yeah. No, America has become a joke, which makes it even coming back all the way around, which makes the oh, hold on one second. All right. Okay. Uh, so America looks like a joke in the eyes of the world, which coming back around to the whole thing about America is the greatest country in the world, it actually makes the need for that psychological defense even stronger for the people that buy into it. Because we are the laughing stock of the world now. And so admitting that becomes, it, it's right in your face now. And you have to like really get delusional with yourself to not see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it, it's it's tough. It, it's it's something fierce. I'm not seeing a lot of uh, Trump supporters are like loud about um, supporting. Um, I, I think I ran a whole lot of folks off my Facebook, you know, so they're not around. I'm not, you know, to be assessed or seen. But wow, though, man. You know, it's it it's an interesting thing. Like I, I really believe in open discussion and open debate with people that have differing viewpoints. I think it's really important to do. Um but and and there's certainly legitimate debates to be had with conservatives and republicans to, to debate and discuss things from an intelligent perspective. But I have yet to be able to 
and this is just online because, like I said, I'm not surrounded by any Trump supporters uh, in my real life. But online, I have not seen any intellectual debate with a Trump supporter of any kind that, that can actually make rational arguments. And so the, the actual debate itself with a Trump supporter to me seems a futile one and like one that I am not going to have any benefit or any greater insight of the world by seeing a different perspective because the perspective is inherently uh, uninformed, incompetent and generally racist. <laughs> and I've seen yeah. I've seen no exception. I wish there was an exception. I wish I could have an intelligent debate with a Trump supporter, but I haven't found one yet. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, a while back ago, you point out like uh, you point at uh, the concept of shock jock, shock jocks of the 90s. And um, one thing I'm, I'm looking at is like when it comes to conservative pundits, you know, like O'Reilly, Hannity, you know, Rush Lim Limbaugh, um, Kellyanne Conway, um, Ann Coulter, Milo, Yaka. I can't say his name. I don't care about him. You know, um, is that. It seems like they have that shock jock logic that you highlighted, that you lampshaded earlier. You know, it seems like they seek to like, especially Alex, Alex, whatever Jones. his name is, Alex, Alex Jones, Jones. Like they seem to say crazy shit in order to um, outdo each other. You know, it's like, well, now I need to say even something more crazy. Because if I if I don't, I'm gonna lose my viewers. Like they're, I think it's like they're competing with each other, man. What, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Are you saying the same thing? Yeah, no, no, they do compete with each other for a very small demographic of people. I think that like you you got to be pretty far out there. Um, even even as uh, um, someone that that is even as a white person that is blind to the institutional racism and, and, and blatant racism out there, you have to be pretty far to the right to actually buy into a lot of the things that, that they say on those, that, that those shock jock people do. So they're playing to a particular demographic and that demographic is looking for the crazy. They want the, they want the far out conspiracy theories. They want the, the absolute righteousness that these, these people promise them basically absolute righteousness in their belief system that they already have, which is insane right wing kind of racism. And they, they provide that niche, which again, props up them as being a legitimate viewpoint. And it's not a legitimate viewpoint. It's, it's a viewpoint of, of lack of knowledge, you know, lack of, yeah. Lack of reality. You know, and it's propped up as being a legitimate position that people buy into. And it draws the entire country more to the right as, as the left continually concedes ground and moves to the right. The right keeps moving more right every every year. You think, man, they can't get any more any more right wing. They become more right wing. You know, like conservatives on top of myself. You know, um, we like point out the fact that Bush, you know, um, Bush seems more liberal now than he did back in his day. Mm -hmm. You know, George Bush, his platform was will be considered a liberal platform. If if he, if he were, were to campaign the way he campaigned and exist the way he existed back in um, back in the day, year 2000, that radical shift and change is mind blowing, man really is mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and what it does it, you know so so it legitimizes the extreme right then the center becomes in the middle the center what's considered centrist now is like uh a moderate republic diet, yeah diet yeah diet gop and, and it makes a progressive point of view to which is most of the modernized Western world. It makes that, that perspective that, that most of all, almost all of Europe actually has as a system of government and, and the way that they govern makes that seem crazy in America. That's you far left loonies over there, right? Which just 20 years ago would have been considered a very normal position for people to have. Yeah. Yeah, man, I agree. So shoot. Well, um, about to bring this thing to a close. You have any uh, last words to throw out there to the viewers and stuff? Uh, 
Nope. Just take in the knowledge and question the world. Oh yeah, definitely question the world, particularly the United States and uh, you know all these folks who uh, voted these rockheads and in, into in play. So yeah, I don't have anything to say. I mean, everybody knows me. This is my podcast. Um, so I'll say this right here. It's about that time. Thanks for joining us. Before you leave, if you like what you heard, click like and subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you go for your podcasts. Do not let this be the last time we hear from you or you hear from us. Follow us on Facebook, Afro Sapiophile. And if you want to be heard, you can always leave a voice message at 202-854-1996. Last but not least, be sure to write a review for us uh, on um, write a review on one of our on our episodes in iTunes. That'll be great. And check us out on AfroSafeFile.com for everything pertaining to intelligent thought. So this is Johnny Silvercloud, so brother number one of a kind, signing out. Peace.